Hello and a very warm welcome to you wherever you are. Here we are yet again. This is the new live program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thanks for joining us. I am your host, Monica Kamukwa. Do stay tuned for a great show. Thank you for listening to us today on Family Life. Lydia Aching joins us to tell us more on marital relationship killers. Thereafter, Sister Becky will be coming in in the Bible segment with the topic, Crucify Him. But before we do that, let's first get the song, The Great Physician, by Faith for Today Quartet. Sit tight and enjoy. The Great Physician now is near, a sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer, oh hear the voice of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue. Sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. His name dispels my guilt and name of Jesus, sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue, sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. And when he to bring the crown, the crown of life and glory, then by his side we will sit down and tell redemption's story, sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal Carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. Welcome back, dear listener. That was The Great Physician by Faith for Today Quartet. You are listening to the new live program coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. And now on Family Life, Lydia Acheng joins us with more on marital relationship killers. Stay tuned. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today we'll talk about marital relationship killers. 
Most of us know many people who have walked down the aisle on their wedding day as happy and hopeful as they could be, thinking they'd live happily ever after, only to eventually find themselves walking down a hallway to finalize a divorce. Maybe it's something you've personally experienced, so you know only too well that love, even when it appears to be permanent, can die off somehow. But why is this? What are the marriage killers? most responsible for today's high divorce rate that's the question we'd like to address in today's family life program praying as you listen to this insights you'll examine your own marriage to see if you're falling victim to these same problematic killers the following article was previously posted on focus on the family website there are several international versions of this website located in different countries So you may want to visit this website to see it. Here's a portion of the answer they gave on their website which may help you in your marriage and help you to deal with this marriage killers. What are the marriage killers most responsible for today's high divorce rate? Here's the answer they gave. It would take perhaps 50 volumes to describe them all and even then we would only scratch the surface. Any one of the following dragons can rip a relationship to shreds. if given an opportunity to do so overcommitment and physical exhaustion beware of this condition it's especially insidious for young couples who are trying to get started in a profession or in school do not try to go to college work full time have a baby manage a toddler fix up a house and start a business at the same time it sounds ridiculous but many young people do just that and are then surprised when their marriages fall apart why wouldn't they The only time they see each other is when they are worn out. Married couples must reserve time for one another if they hope to keep their love alive. Excessive credit and conflict over how money will be spent. Pay cash for consumable items or don't buy. Don't spend more on a house or a car than you can afford, leaving too few resources for dating. Short trips, babysitters, etc. Use your funds with the wisdom of Solomon. Selfishness. There are two kinds of people in the world, the givers and the takers. A marriage between two givers can be a beautiful thing. Friction is inevitable for a giver and a taker. But two takers can claw each other to pieces within a period of weeks. Selfishness will devastate marital partners in short order. And healthy relationships with in-laws. If either the husband or wife has not been fully emancipated from the parents, it is best not to live near them. Autonomy is difficult for some mothers and fathers to grant and close proximity is built for trouble. Unrealistic expectations. Some couples come into marriage anticipating walks down primrose lanes and unmitigated joy. There is no way a marriage between two imperfect human beings can deliver on that expectation. The late counselor John Lush believed And I agree that this romantic illusion is particularly characteristic of women who expect more from their husbands than they are capable of providing. The consequent disappointment is an emotional minefield. Space invaders. By space invaders, I'm not referring to aliens from Mars, rather my concern is for those who violate the breathing room needed by their partners, quickly suffocating them and destroying the attraction between them. Jealousy is one way the phenomenon manifests itself. Another is a poor self-concept which leads the insecure spouse to build a cage around the other, 
It often suffocates the relationship. Love must be free and it must be confident. Sexual frustration and its partner, the greener grass of infidelity. It is a deadly combination. Business collapse. Failure in work does bad things to men especially. Their agitation over financial reverses sometimes precipitates anger within the family. Business success. It is almost as risky to succeed wildly as it is to fail miserably in business. King Solomon wrote, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Edward Fitzgerald said it another way. One of the saddest pages kept by the recording angel is the record of souls that have been damned by success. It's true. And getting married too young. Girls who marry between 14 and 17 years of age are more than twice as likely to divorce as those who marry at 18 or 19 years of age. Those who marry at 18 or 19 are 1.5 times as likely to divorce as those who marry in their 20s. The pressures of youth and the stresses of early married life do not mix well. Finish the first before taking on the second. Alcohol and substance abuse. These are notorious killers, not only of marriages, but of the people who indulge excessively. Pornography, gambling, and other addictions. It should be obvious to everyone that the human personality is flawed. It has a tendency to get hooked on destructive behaviors, especially early in life. During an introductory stage, people think they can tamper with various enticements, such as pornography, gambling, hard drugs, etc., without being hurt. Indeed, many do walk away unaffected. For some, however, there are a weakness and a vulnerability that are unknown until too late. Such people then become addicted to something that tears at the fabric of the family. This warning may seem foolish and even prudish to my listeners, but I've made a 20-year study of those who wreck their lives. Their problems often begin in experimentation with a known vice and ultimately end in death or the death of a marriage. These are a few of the common marriage killers, but in truth, the list is virtually limitless. All that is needed to grow the most vigorous weeds is a small crack in the sidewalk. If you are going to beat the odds and maintain an intimate, long-term marriage, you must take the task seriously. The natural order of things will carry you away from one another, not bring you together. We hope that if you recognize any of these marriage killers attacking your marriage, you'll be proactive in finding ways to address them and hopefully throw them out to make your marital relationship as healthy as possible. You may or may not have a spouse who will participate as he or she should in your relationship, but with the Lord's help, you can at least do your part. Please don't underestimate the importance of this in your personal integrity, your witness to others, and in your personal relationship with God. May he bless you as you apply yourself to reveal and reflect his ways and his heart in all you do. This material was provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you.
those of you who are just joining us, this is the new live program with me, Monica Kamohua. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. If you wish to drop your views, comments, or questions about the show, you can do so through the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Nairobi, Kenya. Or email us at awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org. Now for some song, here is How Sweet the Name by Faith for Today Quartet. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his wounds, and drives away his fear. shield and hiding place, my never-failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. Weak is the effort of my heart, and cold my warmest See thee as thou art, I'll praise thee as I am. My dear listener, thank you for staying tuned. Right about now, Sister Becky Arunga joins us for the Bible segment. She'll be talking about crucify him. Be blessed. Beloved of God, it is a privilege to be in God's presence and to just find this time preserved that you may study the Word of God and know His perfect will for you in your life. Now, I am Becky Arunga. I invite you that we share in a prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, glory and honor be unto your name. Thank you for your loving kindness towards us. Now, Lord, I pray that as we move forth to you to study your Word, may experience you, dear Jesus, and learn your patient ways as portrayed in Scripture. Teach us to be submissive to you all our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Our beloved of God, as I have said, it is a privilege that we are here to study God's Word. Today I want us to just assess our lives and see what is it that we choose to do with this Christ Jesus, who is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. When you read the book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist, upon seeing Christ Jesus from afar, declared with an affirmation so great that, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that John was able to see Jesus and direct men to him. He was directing people who are sin-sick to Christ Jesus and telling them that he is the Lamb, that he, Christ Jesus, is the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. For this world has been battling a grand problem called sin. Now when we look at the book of Mark chapter 15, it gives us an account 
as to the custom of the Jews, in the sense that at each particular instance, they had an opportunity during the Passover to have one person released, one prisoner released. And at the time of Jesus, there was a prisoner called Barabbas, who had been accused of sedition and insurrection in the city. In essence, it is like he had been accused of treason or attempting to overthrow the government. So when Christ Jesus was taken to Pilate, we find that Pilate sought the opinion of the Jews and asked them, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He asked them whether they wanted to release, to have Christ released to them. But because of the chief priest who had handed over Christ on account of envy, the chief priest again stirred the crowds and told the crowd that it is not Jesus we want, but it is Barabbas. It is not Jesus that we want, but it is Barabbas. And so Pilate asked, and that's the question I want us to consider. Pilate asking in the book of Mark chapter 15, verse 12, Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? Beloved, that is a question that the world is asking you and I today. That is a question that we must answer while we live on this earth. What then do you want us to do with the king of the Jews? I specifically, I want to address myself to they that have heard the gospel or you who are hearing this for the first time. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Christ came. He dwelt among the Jews. He preached in their cities. He healed their diseases. He raised their dead. He restored hope to dying families. Yet, when the time reached for the Jews to decide, they chose Barabbas and left Jesus to wallow in prison and be hanged on the cross. This is a question that is so pertinent because we may fault the Jews and ask ourselves that how be it are the Jews allowed themselves to crucify Christ? We may say that how be it are the Jews who are willing to descend so low as to deliver Jesus to be killed and nailed on the cross. But when you look at yourself, you and I, how many times have you delivered Christ to be crucified? When the world is asking us, what then shall I do with this Jesus whom you call Christ? And by our actions, we shout crucify him. Why? Because we are as our profession, we are as we profess to know God, Whereas we profess to be with him, our actions contradict the very Jesus that we have believed in. Our actions contradict the very essence of the fact that we love God and are willing to be with him all the days of our lives. Know you not, oh my dear Christian, oh my dear listener, that every time you sin, you crucify God, Christ himself twice? And that is what we need to appreciate and know that God has been so gracious to us. God has been so kind to us and he has allowed us to be partakers of his divine grace. 
But as often as we are not walking worthy of this higher calling of faith, then we join the Israelites in shouting, crucify him. How many times have you heard the people of the world saying, I love Jesus, but Christians are so hypocritical. I love Jesus, but I don't love Christianity. Or rather, I don't love Christianity, but I love their God. It is because by our actions, by our inaction, we are crucifying Christ. It is because by our action, we are showing the world that we do not want anything to do with Jesus. Instead, they should continue crucifying God. They should continue crucifying Jesus and saying negative things about him. It is a call that I make to us. It is an appeal that I want to make to you, beloved. Christ has offered to us salvation, full and free, justified by his life of purity, justified by his life of purity alone. But we are sanctified by obedience to his word. The very God who said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, is the very God who has said, thou shall not kill. The very God who has told us you shall not have any other God beside me is the very God who has told us thou shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The very God who has told us that thou shall not make any graven image of anything in heaven or anything in earth or anything under the earth or worship or bow down to it is the very God who has told us that thou shall not steal. God has given us an opportunity that as we study his word, we may learn and know that which he desires us to know. God wants that our character may be a testimony to the world that we have been with him. God wants that we may know that he is our savior, he is our God, he is our master, he is our friend. Beloved, what is it that is keeping you from God? What is it that is preventing you from giving yourself wholesomely and entirely to God? Why are you continually holding on something that is not true? I know that the entire Christendom, many of people believe that the true Sabbath is on Sunday. But Christ is asking you, what did he mean when he said remember? It is because he wants you to appreciate that sanctification is in him and him alone. So my dear beloved listener, God is calling you to an elevated life, a life of purity, a life of truth, that as you are living a consistent Christian life, you shall not join the multitude in saying crucify him, but contrary to the multitude, you shall say, exalt the name of Jesus. For Christ has said in John chapter 10 verse 32, that if I be lifted up, I shall draw all mankind to me. How I pray that this day, you may lift Jesus up in your word, in your action, in your inaction, in every breath that you give. Remember to exalt the Lord and lift his name on high. Thank you very much for finding time. How I pray that this day you may exalt the Lord. Let us pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Thank you for the assurance of salvation. Now that we desire to exalt you, be exalted in heaven as it is in earth. I pray, your heavenly Father, that you may be with the listener who has decided for you. Give him strength to serve you all the days of his life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thank you dear listener. It has been a blessing studying the word of God with you. Till next time. Goodbye. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for staying tuned throughout the show. Always a pleasure to have you with us, and I hope that you're blessed just like I was. Don't forget to send us your views, suggestions, or questions about the show through the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, code 00100, Remember, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Until we meet next time, I have been your host, Monica Kamokwa, Stay blessed. The great physician now is near, a sympathizing Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to cheer, oh hear the voice of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue. Sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. His name dispels my guilt and fear. No other name but Jesus, oh how my soul to hear the precious name of Jesus. Sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal tongue. Sweetest carol ever sung, Jesus, blessed Jesus. To bring the crown, the crown of life and glory, then by his side we will sit down and tell redemption story, sweetest note in seraph song, sweetest name on mortal Carol ever sung, Jesus blessed Jesus. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows, heals his and drives away his fear. Dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place, my never-failing
Church for 